The following audio is from West Pines Community Church. For more information about West Pines, visit us online at westpines.org. You can join us live Sunday mornings at 9.45 a.m. or 11.30 a.m. in Pembroke Pines, Florida, or online at westpines.org. All right, so we're in a series called Humanity Hardwired, and it's different ways than we're wired. It's based on the first couple of books of Genesis. And this week we're going to talk about an interesting topic, but before we do that, I want to kind of share a little story with you. I've been reading a book by a pastor, his name's Mark Buchanan. It's a book written to pastors. It's called The Rest of God, and it's really been kind of an impactful book for me over this season, and you'll see how that develops as we talk today. But there's a story that he tells in there that's very interesting to me, and it really kind of struck home to me. And He tells the story of his wife's grandmother who lived during the time of the gold rushes out west. And if you remember, during the gold rush, people would sell everything they had and take that money and move out west, hoping to find this gold because of the, the riches that it held. So they would sell everything they had, travel out west, and pan for gold or dig for gold or mine for gold, hoping to strike it rich. So his, his wife's mother, uh, would say, I guess that would be his grandmother-in-law, that's hard to say, um, thought, you know, that's people, what's, what's wrong with people? That's just, it's, just never, it's, like, it's like we would consider playing the lottery. I mean, you're, you're not going to win the lottery, okay? The, the odds are, you know, 13 million to one or something like that. So she's like, you know, I don't understand people why they do that. So she's, she's out in her yard one day, and she had this huge boulder that's right in the middle of her garden. And it was too big to move, so she's like, you know, kind of stuck with this thing, so let me figure out a way that I can make it at least, you know, something that I don't, that doesn't bother me. She said, I'm going to beautify it. I'm going to sand that thing down and find the beauty in it. You know, there's got to be some, some parts of it that are, that are more beautiful than what you see on the outside now. There's got to be something, some way to make it not an eyesore in my garden. So she goes out one day and she's sanding away at the rock, sanding away at the rock, working hard, and she's determined she's going to make this rock look really nice. And she's sanding away. As it gets later on in the day, she realizes, wait, she sees like sparkles of something. She's like, what, what is that on the rock? And she keeps sanding it. She's like, that looks like gold dust. And she's sanding away and sanding away. And she's like, what? I think that is gold dust. So she starts sanding feverishly. She's like, all of a sudden, she's caught up in this gold rush thing. And she's sanding, sanding away. And she's like, oh, my goodness, this could be the largest gold nugget ever. So she's standing away, standing away, standing away. It's getting later in the day, and she's working really hard, and she's totally lost focus on what her purpose was, and now she's just focused on, can I discover this huge piece of gold? And so later on in the day, she decides to take a break, so she stops and sits back, and she sees all this gold dust on her hands, and as she's looking at her hands, she looks at her wedding ring, and she realizes that the back of it has been sanded almost away. It's as thin as razor wire. And she realizes that's where the gold dust is coming from. But the story here is she basically had sanded away her wedding ring in search of something that probably wasn't going to happen. And I think that's what we're going to talk about a little bit today. We're going to talk about wired for rest. And we're going to talk about how sometimes we sand away our wedding ring in search of something that's unachievable and miss out on what's important. So today I want to talk a little bit about that. Um, It's interesting because the way that God breaks this first couple of chapters down, there's a rhythm to it that's interesting that I think we'll find interesting. And the thing I want to talk about today is not just rest in general, but I want to bring up kind of an old word, but I'm doing that on purpose because I want to specify the kind of rest we're talking about. And the word I want to talk about is Sabbath. Sabbath, which we all know, we've all heard that word, but that is a word that specifically means 
a certain type of rest. And I want to talk about that because I want us to look, because there's so many different ways we can talk about rest. There's rhythms of your life, there's sleep, there's all that kind of thing. But I want to talk specifically about that. And it's interesting to me to note that God took the story of creation uh, in this first two chapters of Genesis, and he spent three entire verses talking about this idea of rest. So that must mean that if he's going to spend three verses talking to it, it must be something that's pretty important. How many of you are very uncomfortable right now? <laughs> Has he lost his place? Has he lost his mind? Has he forgotten what he was going to say? But why is it that that quiet, that that stillness makes us uncomfortable? We, you know, my wife jokes, she says, I'm the noisiest person she's ever met. I've always got noises going off. My phone's going off, my tablet's going off, the computer's playing music, TV's going on. But... Our, our world is filled with noise, but that quiet and that stillness, it, it's uncomfortable. You know, we want, we don't, like, is there a video going to start? What, the band coming back out? What's going on? We're just so uncomfortable with the idea of quiet. And that's kind of what I want to talk about, because if I'm being honest, this is probably one of the biggest struggles I face in my life personally, and everybody that knows me is nodding their head. Now, let me say this. That's, I'm not looking for sympathy because I'm not saying I don't take breaks or days off. As you guys all know, I go to Disney with some regularity. Um, I know how to take a day off. I know how to take a vacation. I took a sabbatical last year. I mean, I know how to, to rest. I mean, I know how to rest in the way I define it. But it's interesting because this particular struggle for me has been almost a lifelong battle. I can remember back when I was to a when I was a kid, and I couldn't figure out what exactly it meant to rest. So a couple of weeks ago, Roby comes in my office, Pastor Roby comes in my office, and he says, hey, uh, we're going to do this, this series on the first couple of chapters of Genesis, and you're gonna, I'm working on my computer. You know, I'm sitting on my couch working on my computer, and he's like, I'm going to have you talk about rest. And then he walks out, and I'm like, what did he say? I'm like, whoa, whoa, wait, wait, what would you say? He's like, um, well, you're going to talk about rest. I'm like, um... Isn't there something in the first two chapters about spreadsheets or, or financials or something? Because that, that's, 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 the, the, that's a bad idea. And he's like, well, you know, that's kind of what it feels like we should do that, that week, and it feels like a good time to do that. And I'm like, yeah, but you don't understand. That's, that's not something I actually am good at. And I realized that specifically over the last couple of months, God's really been pushing me in this area. He's introduced this book to me. I talked about it earlier, The Rest of God by Mark Buchanan, which has really pushed me. And he's really challenged me to investigate what this idea of Sabbath means. So after a few minutes of confusion, I said, okay, if that's what you want me to do, then that's what I'll do. So I realized that this is just a huge opportunity for me, I think, to even dig deeper into that issue. Because here's the deal. I'm one of those people that's always in a hurry. I'm always in a hurry. Everything I do is in a hurry. You know, I, I mean, I like to have fun, but in a hurry. Quickly. Quick fun. 
Not slow fun, fast fun. But, you know, like I'm the guy when I'm pulling up to a traffic light, I'm looking to see which line's the shortest. You know, which lane to get in. All right, who does that? Okay, I can take it one step further. If all the lines are the same length, do you see which cars are faster? Yeah, see there? Which car's faster? All right, so when you go to the grocery store, which, I've just got to be honest, is the thing I enjoy the least. You go to the grocery store, you're coming up to the, count, to the register, you always pick the shortest line, right? Ah, no, no. That's a trick. You've got to look and see what the people have. Shortest line is not always the fastest line. But here's the, here's the real nugget of today. Sometimes you look around, and it seems like every line's got about the same number of items to be processed. You've got to look at the cashiers. See which one's the fastest. Look for the fast cashier. You'll get out of there in no time. But that's how I live my life. I'm always looking for the, the angle, the fast way, the, the lane that's going to move faster, the, the line at the checkout that's going to move faster. I mean, my calendar's divided into 30-minute increments only because there is no smaller option. If they had 15-minute increments, I'd divide it in 15-minute increments, and anything I'd have to do would have to be done within 15 minutes. But that's how I've always lived my life. I've just gone, what's the next thing? What's the next thing? How can I quickly get to the next thing? What's next? What's next? What's next? And it's made it impossible for me to really rest. It's interesting because the Chinese have a symbol that they, there's a couple of symbols I want to share with you from the, from the Chinese, and I love the way that they communicate in written form because it's all in pictures. So it's very interesting to look at. So this first symbol I'm going to show you is an interesting symbol. This symbol, I can't pronounce that. Jin, maybe? Jin? Um, but this is the symbol for heart. It's the Chinese symbol for heart. Now I'm going to show you the next one. Next one, I would assume, is Wang. But this is the symbol for death. So we've got the symbol for heart and the symbol for death. Now, the interesting thing is, when the Chinese put these two symbols together, which I'll show you, this means busyness. So the Chinese equate busyness to death of your heart, or heart death. And I think this is why, this is what busyness does to us. It kills our heart. Here's what busyness does. We get so busy that we miss out on the important things of life. We miss out on the family things of life. Sometimes we miss out on actual events. You know, we're so busy, we're late at work, we can't go to the baseball game, we can't go to the soccer game, can't go to the dance recital. Sometimes it's that simple. We just miss out on events. But sometimes we miss out on things that don't happen because we're busy. Let me give you an example. It's so interesting. I'm a, I'm, I'm a big journaler. So each morning I get up and I read my journal for today for the past several years. And as I'm reading through my journal this morning, knowing I'm going to teach on this, I had written in there, um, today, Bailey, which is my youngest, who's now 19, almost 19, um, Bailey wanted me to help him build his boat, which I would actually classify as contraption. Um, But I really didn't have time, so I told him no. And then later on I wrote, decided to make the most important thing important, and I spent some time and built that boat with Bailey. Now, i got to tell you, the boat didn't float. I knew the boat wasn't going to float. I'm an engineer. But that was all he wanted, was some time. Now, I had 
so many more important things, so many justifications for not having time to do that. But those are the things we miss out with busyness. It's the things that maybe don't happen because we're busy. You know, one of the things as a family we've started doing lately is we like to do puzzles. Now, part of it is the Mashburns as a group like to complete things. So that's, you know, that's directive one. But the real, real interesting thing that's happened around the puzzles is conversation, time. We'll spread a puzzle out on the dining room table, and we'll work on it for weeks. We like to do complicated ones, you know, like 30, 40 pieces. And we'll, we'll, we'll hit out for weeks. And, you know, sometimes it's just me and Melissa late at night. We're tired. We're like, let's work on the puzzle. Sometimes it's Bailey and his girlfriend, Becca, and they'll come over and we'll sit and work on the puzzle and just talk about stuff. And sometimes it's Nick and Ashley, his girlfriend, will come. And sometimes it's all of us. But it's, it's, it's become not about the puzzle. It's become about the time, the time together. Another thing we miss is the important details of life. You know, we're so busy, we miss the, the things that aren't said, the expressions on people's faces. Because doesn't that tell you so much more than what their words are? But instead of looking at their expression, you're trying to check your text message because they talk really slow and they won't hurry up? Or hearing that additional thought that they were going to utter, I'm the world's worst at leaving a room when somebody's got something else to say. And I've been known to say, I already left. So bad. This is a rough week for me. But we miss those things, that extra level of personal interaction. Here's another thing we miss. We miss enjoying God's creation. God took the time to be extremely creative. We were talking in our community group this week about what's kind of the thing that kind of gives us awe about God, maybe it was a couple weeks ago. And the thing that gives me awe about God is the detail in his creation. Because here's the deal. God could have said, tree. That's a tree. Put a bunch of them out there. That's what all trees look like. That's a plant. That's a flower. We wouldn't have known the difference. We would have said, okay, there's just one kind of tree. There's just one kind of plant, one kind of flower. But God said, you know, I'm going to make all these different kinds of trees and all these different kinds of flowers and plants for you to enjoy. But we don't stop to appreciate it, the detail of it. Busyness robs us of knowing God. So let's look at our scripture for today, Genesis 2, verses 1 through 3. You can follow along in your Bible or up on the screens. It says this. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all the work he had done in creation. So God spent six days creating the universe, and then he rested. Why do you think he did that? You're like, well, dude... He just created a world. He was tired. He's not tired. He's God. He never gets tired. So it's not that. So let's assume for a minute, let's just assume for a minute that he's not God. Okay? It's a lot of work, right? Creating a universe. Well, let's take a look and see how much work it is. Let's just read through the account of God creating the universe. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to read the underlying parts with me. We're gonna, it's a lot of verses. We're going to read through it quickly, but read the underlines with me. Let's start with Genesis chapter 1, verse 3. Read with me. 
And God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. And God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters, and let it separate the waters from the waters. And God made the expanse and separated the waters that were under the expanse from the waters that were above the expanse, and it was so. And God called the expanse heaven, and there was evening and morning the second day. And God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together in one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. God called the dry land earth. And it goes on and on. But the point is, it says at the beginning of every one, and God said. So, assuming he's not God, is he really that tired? He just spoke and it came into existence. It doesn't say this. Verse 1, God went into a laboratory and spent hours and hours creating light and then figured out how to get it to stay up in the sky by completing complicated mathematical calculations regarding the weight difference between the gases used to create the light and those that exist in the darkness. It doesn't say that. It says, and God said. The second one doesn't say God created the formula for water by combining the elements of hydrogen and oxygen in just the right quantities that after several failed attempts and then mass produced it to fill a large portion of the earth. It says, and God said. It doesn't say, God got out a shovel and created some seeds, then he planted them, watered them, overwatered them, so they had died, so he had to start all over again, and after several failed attempts, was able to get the plants to grow. It doesn't say that. It says, and God said. So, he's God, so he's not tired. He basically spoke the universe into existence, so... He's not worn out from that. So why? Why take three verses at the beginning of the most important book in history and devote it to taking a day off to rest? He wants to teach us something. It's important. Think about the importance of this if he's taking the time to do that at this point in Scripture. So how do we define Sabbath? What does it look like? Well, I think it's interesting because God gives us a pretty good idea of what it looks like. First of all, it's one day out of seven, okay? So it happens every seventh day. And as Pastor Roby talked about last week, we don't know for sure if this account of creation was literal. Was it actually six days that it took? You know, we don't know for sure exactly how long it took or what a day represented. But here's what we do know. God chose to call it a day. He could have said, well, the first week I created light and darkness, and the second, you know, he chose to cause it, call it a day. So that must mean something, must be something important that he's trying to show us there. So I believe that what it's telling us is that one day out of seven should be taken for rest. Now, the Jew, Jewish tradition traditionally observed it from sundown Friday to sundown Saturday. As Christians, we typically call Sunday the Sabbath day. Now, for some of us, it happens to be a work day, so it doesn't really work out for Sabbath. And I don't think it's necessarily critical which day you pick as much as it is that you pick a day. And when I say a day, we're talking about a 24-hour period. We're talking about taking time every week to rest. And we're going to define that in a minute. What is a Sabbath? What is this idea of this day of rest? Sabbath is a form of mending 
It's mending our soul. It's mending our spirit. It's recovering from the things that we've gone through. I saw this quote in this book that I was reading. It said, busyness can become a fetish. We often see stillness as laziness. Isn't that true? Don't we often think, you know, what's going on with that guy? He's not doing anything. He's just lazy. Psalm 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. It doesn't say stop for four seconds and know that I'm God. Or when you get to a red light and it just turned red so you know it's going to be about 12 seconds before you take off again, know that I'm God. It says be still and know that I'm God. What's the Sabbath for? It's for feasting, for resting, for worship, for play. Now, I'll tell you, for our staff, most of our staff, our Sabbath is Friday. Most of us take Fridays off. Um, it helps us, you know, to get ready for the weekend. Obviously, Sunday would be a bad day for us to take off. Um, you, all, you all be very disappointed when you get here. Um, but Friday's our day off. And here's what my Fridays are starting to look like as I'm learning this, this idea of rest. I like to sleep in because the Sabbath is for resting. It's my cheat day. As if you follow me on Facebook or Twitter, you're well aware of that. It's my cheat day, so it's a day for feasting. Not necessarily do I always pick the best things to feast on, but I'm getting there. I like to spend an extended time doing my quiet time in the morning because it's a day for worship. So every other day I have a limited amount of time to do that because I have places to go, I have things to do, I have to get to the office, I have people to talk to. But on my Sabbath day, I don't have a time limit on that. So I can take a little longer. I like to do some other reading. And then it's for spending time with Melissa, and we like to play. We'll go to lunch, or we'll go to a movie, or we'll go shopping. Um, Sometimes you have to do what the other person wants to do. Um, But it's a time to do those things without schedules. Because here's what happens. The neglect of a Sabbath leaves our souls hard and dry and spent. Some of us are sitting here today and going, yeah, you're right, because that's what I feel like. But attitude is at the heart of it. You have to kind of train yourself at first, but it has to become something that you're excited about. So what is not a Sabbath? Now, as I said before, I like to go to Disney. Um, and I've, you know, it's funny, I've just kind of, over the last year and a half or so, really, we've actually almost two years now, we did a family vacation to Disney a couple of years ago. That was our summer family vacation. And I just loved it. It was just fun. And it just became something that we love to do. We'll just go up for a couple of days and go, you know, and, and just hang out and walk around the parks. I even go by myself sometimes. I know that's a little weird, but I just go walk around. And I've been trying to figure out why, why do I love this so much? And I know there's an excellence that Disney brings, and there's, there's certainly a creativity and an inspiration to be around those things. But I said to Melissa a couple months ago, I said, I think, I think this is my Sabbath. It's Disney. Because I can go, and it's one of the few places that distracts me from all the other things in my mind. I have one of those minds that 
just I think about nine things at once and I can't shut it all out. But Disney is able to distract me. I see Mickey Mouse and it's like, I don't even know who I am. <laughs> it's not that bad. That would be creepy. Um, but I thought, there, that's the answer. I just need to go to Disney every week. <laughs> but here's what, what Sabbath is not. It's not recreation. It's not vacation. Nothing wrong with those things. But going to Disney, it's not rest. I still love it. I still enjoy it. But it's not a substitute for rest. How many times have you heard somebody come back from a vacation and go, I need a vacation from my vacation? We went ziplining and we went on a safari and we went on a, we, we paddled a boat for, down the river. And I'm like, okay, that doesn't sound like a vacation. That sounds like something somebody should pay you to do. But that's not Sabbath. Recreation is not Sabbath. Hobbies, not Sabbath, unless it's specifically intended to create rest. Because we get caught up trying to create Sabbath by creating activity. It's not about, it's actually the opposite of that. And that's the cycle I got caught in. Why is Sabbath so important? Well, first of all, God has ordained it. We perceive it, we receive it, we approach it differently. We should be thankful for it. We should be proactive about it. We become ourselves in Sabbath. We become more vulnerable, less afraid, ready to confess, be silent, be small in Sabbath. We find out who we are. How do we do that? Because... That all sounds great, but how? I mean, to be honest, I'm one of those busy people, and like you just told me I got to do one more thing. We have to change our minds, because a Sabbath heart, the opposite of the Chinese symbol, pays attention to some of the following things: a cloud that looks like a giraffe, or a Mickey Mouse. The sound of the teenager next door practicing his guitar in the garage. The sound of our own breathing. Have you ever sat and watched your children sleep? Have you ever sat out? We have, we've moved to a new house and we have some space out back that's on the water and I've, I've learned to appreciate just kind of watching the animals and what they do. So it's interesting to see how they operate. What is it exactly? Why, why do they do that? Why does that, why does that duck keep doing that? What's wrong with him? That's, he's, there's nothing there. There's nothing there to eat. Stop doing that. But you learn to appreciate what's around you. You learn to appreciate anything that has to do with anything except the things you're responsible for. Because those are the things where you see God and God begins to reveal himself to you. three ways that we're wired when it comes to rest. We're wired to rest, which is not the same as recreation. We have a slide for that, I think. There we go. Wired to rest, which is not the same as recreation. Very important point. Number two, we're wired for rhythm. It's interesting the picture God paints here. 
It paints the picture of a rhythm of rest. It's not just that Sabbath day. It's that daily rest, that nightly sleep. And there's a whole completely separate sermon that we could talk about, the importance of sleep. But God creates this cycle, this rhythm in our life, and we're wired that way. And then number three, we're wired to rely on God. We're wired to rely on God. Because here's the thing. The reason you can't take a Sabbath is because you think it depends on you. You think everything depends on you. I mean, isn't that the truth? The reason you don't take a day off is you think if I take a day off, then something's not going to get done. Everything's going to fall apart. I mean, that's, there's no other good reason. I mean, there reaches a point where everybody wants to have a day off. Everybody wants to rest. But we don't rely on God. We don't say, you know what, God? You got this. I did what you asked me to do, but now you're asking me to take a Sabbath, so I'm going to trust that you're going to take care of it. I'm going to do what you command, and then I'm going to come back to it the next day and know that it's not going to be a catastrophe because you are in control. All right, so all that's well and good. How do we do this? How do we create this Sabbath in our life? I'm going to give you three things that I think are critical to doing this. Number one, the day before the Sabbath, most important day of the week. Interesting thing to notice, as you read through the creation story, the majority of Scripture is spent on day six, the day before his day of rest. The day before your Sabbath is the second most important day of the week. You've got to prepare for it. You can't just run into it screeching, slam on the brakes and go, boom, I'm resting. It won't work. It won't work for me. So here's what I've done personally. I've re-engineered my week. I used to have meetings on Thursday afternoon. That was Tuesday and Thursday, my meeting day. Tuesday and Thursday, my meeting day, all day, all day. And I said, no more. Thursday meetings got moved to Wednesday because Thursday afternoon is now as sacred as Friday is because that's when I do three things. I tie up all the loose ends for the week. I put out the fires. I complete the things that need to be done weekly. And here's the most important thing I do, that third thing. I plan the next week. Because the way my brain works, I have to kind of, I haven't gotten to that complete rely on God part yet. I have to know that things are okay. So I plan that next week so that on Friday I can go, it's okay because I know what's going to happen next week. You have to do something, read this several years ago in a book, you have to paint solid yellow lines around your, your Sabbath day. And this is what I mean by that. When you're driving down the road, everybody knows what the double solid yellow line means in the middle, right? No passing. If it's dotted on your side, you can pass. Maybe I'm educating some of you because some of you look very puzzled. Okay. Let me just take a minute on this because now I'm nervous. Dotted line on your side, double line in the middle, dotted line on your side, okay to pass, yellow line, not okay. It's okay to put solid yellow lines around your Sabbath day. It's okay to say to somebody, yeah, I can't do that Friday because I've got something planned. Something doesn't have to be a meeting or an event or something on your calendar. Something could be, that's my Sabbath day. As a matter of fact, I just kind of sold myself out because some of you are like, hey, can we do lunch on Friday? I'm like, "Ah, I can't have something planned that day. You you now know that I was probably sitting out back watching ducks. (laughs) Sorry. But there's nothing wrong with painting solid yellow lines around your day of rest. God spent three verses in the story of creation talking about it. It must be pretty important. 
Okay, so that's number one, the day before, very important. Number two, we have to prepare our minds. You have to prepare your mind for a Sabbath. You have to choose to set aside the issues, set aside work, what's going on with the kids, health issues, financial concerns. And this is not something that you're going to start doing this week and do it perfectly. You have to choose to set it aside. But I'm going to give you two verses that I think help us do that. The first one's Romans 12.2. Romans 12.2 says this, do not, compete, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Transformed by the renewal of your mind. How does that happen if you don't rest? And then the second one is Ephesians 4, 23 and 24. It says this, And to be renewed in the spirit of our minds, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God, in true righteousness and holiness. Isn't that what we're trying to do? We're trying to become as much like God as we possibly can? Well, there it is. Renewed in the spirit of your minds. So we have to prepare our minds with prayer. We have to say, you know what, God, I don't really know how to do this. I don't, I'm not sure how this is going to work out, but help me to let go. Help me to relax. Here's the hardest part for me. We have to create stillness. I've started this new thing as part of this whole process. Each night, it's my goal, doesn't happen every night because some nights there's things going on, to go sit out back for half an hour to not do anything. So I go get my Mickey Mouse mug, make myself some coffee or hot chocolate, and I go sit out back and I try to not do anything. Because let me tell you this, stillness takes practice. It's not easy. Like after about one and a half minutes, I'm grabbing my phone, my tablet, like thinking about things I need to get. It takes practice. But I've tried to start making that a part of my daily cycle to hopefully train myself that when Fridays come along and I get up Friday mornings, maybe I can take that muscle that I've built through the week and do that. Step outside, take my cup of coffee and my Mickey Mouse mug and step outside and think about sometimes nothing or what shapes are the clouds or why is the water moving in that direction or why is my palm tree turning yellow? Actually, no, that's not what I'm supposed to be thinking about. Fertilize the palm trees. Yeah, yeah, write that down. Go on to the next thing. Because God's more interested in changing our minds than our circumstances. He could change our circumstance in a flash, but we haven't learned anything. If he can change our minds, now we've become a tool he can use. See, what I've realized is I used to wear this inability to rest as a badge of honor. Yes, I can't rest work all the time. Well, even when I watch TV, I've got my laptop out, sometimes two laptops. I want two hands. I might as well use two. I never rest. I'm so productive. It's not a badge of honor. It's a badge of sin. Because God said, it's so important to me that you rest. I'm going to do it even though I don't have to. There's a thing that... Um, that pilots do as they're going through their training. 
And at the end of their training, the instructor will take them up on a flight, and he puts a, like a cover over their head, like a hood over their head, and then he takes the controls. And he'll take the plane through all these maneuvers and acrobatics and upside down, and he'll, he'll do loop-de-loops and all this kind of stuff. And then he puts the plane in a nosedive, and he yanks the hood off, and he says, all right, recover. That's where some of us are. We're in a nosedive. And today we yank the hood off, and we're like, okay, now what? Well, here's the thing. You don't have to get to your Sabbath this week and do it just right. Trust me, it won't happen. You're going to get about an hour the first week, and then you might stretch it the next week. But you have to start somewhere. The, the pilot just doesn't go, he doesn't get the hood ripped off and go, oh, no, no, I guess we'll just die. No, he's like, okay, what do I do? I need to do this, I need to change this. I don't know, I'm not a pilot, but he does stuff. You know, flips dials, I don't know what he does. But he starts making adjustments. He starts figuring out, how do I get out of this? And that's what we have to do. We start to start making adjustments. We have to say, okay, I'm in a nosedive. That's what I did a couple months ago. Like, I'm in a nosedive here. I got to start making adjustments. I'll make a couple this week, and I'll make a couple next week, and then I'll, I won't, I'll try not to lose any ground, and I'll make a couple more. And that's how we do it. But some of us are here today, and you're realizing that the only way to make those adjustments It's through the things we've talked about. It's God. Because God's the only one that can renew our mind. God's the only one that can give us the peace required to take a day off. God's the only one that can orchestrate this idea of Sabbath that is the only thing that will keep you from burning out and missing out on things that are so important in life. Got one more verse for you. Matthew 11, 28 says this. It says, come to me all who labor and are heavily laden, and I will give you rest. Here's the thing. God says, you know what? I know you're messed up. But, but I can fix it. I have the answers. But the first step is trusting him. The first step is saying, you know what? You're right, I am. I am messed up. I've I, I been trying to do this for 46 years, and I still don't have it right. So maybe I need to try something else. And some of us are sitting here today and you're saying, you know, I don't know about all this stuff, but I know that there must be an answer other than the ones I've tried. And there is an answer, and it's God. And it said he's sent his son, and he said, you know what? These, these folks are messed up, but I'm going to send my perfect son, and I'm going to give him, I'm going to put that punishment on him so that they can find an answer that will change their life forever. And that's the first step you have to take. All these other things that I've talked about today won't matter if you don't take that step. It won't work, I'm telling you. you can, I can give you 18 checklists on how to have a Sabbath. If you don't take that step, you will not be able to do the mind part. You won't have the equipment. You won't have the tools necessary to do that. The Greeks have an interesting thing. They have two words for time. One's called chronos and one's called keros. Chronos is the idea of regimented time. It's like um, schedules, chronology, chronograph. Those are where those words come from. And they have a god called Chronos. And the picture of that god, I actually looked it up. Some of them are kind of scary. Is this scary guy holding an hourglass. 
And the thing we don't know that you may not know about Kronos is Kronos is also famous for eating children. But Keros is this idea of enjoyable time. It's this idea of the things we want to experience as we see God. And the thing that they teach you is what Kronos doesn't realize is that not only is he, not only is Kronos making you resent himself, but he's pushing you towards Keros. So if we want to find that peace, we have to move towards that thing that brings that. And that's Jesus. So I'm going to give you an opportunity, if that's where you're at today, and you want to uh, take that step, I'm going to ask everybody to bow their heads if they would. And I'm just going to, there's a short prayer that can help you take that first step. And it's not a complicated prayer. It's not anything that requires anything more than just a change of your heart. And if you're here today and you want to take that step, then I would ask you just to pray this prayer with me. And it goes like this. It says, God, you know what? I know I can't save myself because I'm a sinner, Lord, and I know that only you have the answers that I need. And Lord, I just want to accept that gift that you give of your salvation where you can begin to take my mind to a place where I can experience this rest that only you can give. And Lord, I want to give you control of my life. And Lord, I thank you for that opportunity. And I thank you for giving me the chance to be drawn to you in a way where I can experience this rest. And just thank him for that. Thank you for listening. For more resources and to check out other teaching series, please visit our website at westpines.org. If you would like to speak with someone about beginning a relationship with Jesus or ask any questions you have about this teaching, please call us at 954-432-0321 or you can email us at podcast at westpines.org.